Father, you tell us through your son Jesus that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Lord, we forget that and we think that we can uh, do anything of true value in and of ourselves. And Lord, forgive us for this. Forgive us for trusting our own strength. Forgive us for um, thinking too highly of ourselves. And I pray, Father, that you might um, bless this morning, bless this class, help us to uh, think about and, and uh, study the, the fifth commandment um, such that you are honored and that your purposes in this command might become more tangible to us and that we might uh, live them out in our daily lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so fifth commandment, we've, we've gotten, and we will, hopefully, the goal is to be able to move through the next commandments, probably one a week, um, and uh, be, uh, ex- hopefully, expeditious, expeditious in this. Um, let's begin with the scripture itself, Exodus 20, verse 12. Uh, we got a microphone. Give that to Mike Starnes. And Jim, um, if you'll look up Deuteronomy 5, verse 16, I'll have you read the same command in that one in just a moment. Go ahead. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Jim and Jim are right next to each other. Mr. Escader. <laughs> All right, and give that to, to Mr. Escader. Deuteron- Deuteronomy 5.16. Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God has commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Okay, so um, there are two aspects to the fifth commandment. One is the command, and the other is the promise. So we're going to try to understand the, the command first, and then we're going to try to understand the promise part of it. So, um, so let's kind of set the promise side away for a, or a little bit and focus on the command side. So, how would you define what it means to honor? What is, what is being spoken of here in Exodus 20 when God says to honor your father and mother? What is he asking you to do? Peter, you want? Okay, so honor implies respect them. More? Obey them. Care. Mm-hmm. Maybe even love them, right? 
okay? Value them. Those are all, all these are good words. I, I think you've hit it. Uh, I like value because it is to treat as valuable or important. And I do think it implies the rest of these as well. Um, but to, to actually um, give weight, the, the word is kabed, and it's connected to kabod, which is, um, you know, God himself is full of weightiness. He is, he is worthy of your, of your esteem and your value and your, your respect. So think of that weightiness um, to be heavy. Uh, think of glorious. Uh, think about how the Israelites would have treated the holy of holies and the ark in the temple. Right? There's a certain respect and esteem and a value. Um, uh, Clark and Lee, when they came in as I was praying, uh, they gave respect and esteem and honor, not necessarily to me, but to the prayer that I was praying, because as soon as they came in and heard me pray, they stopped. And they just stood there until the prayer was finished, and then they found their seat. That's, a, that's the kind of uh, aspect that we're talking about. Um, the Greek uh, of, of the Hebrew kabed is uh, temao, and that also even has the idea of revere in it, um, to revere as well. Um, First Chronicles 29 says this, uh, Thus David, son of Jesse, reigned over Israel, the time that he reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. He died at a good age, full of days, riches, and honor. And Solomon reigned in his place. So they're even, they're even like looking at David in, in the extent of his life, even with his failures, and they're saying, ah, we are giving him honor. He died in honor. You give uh, at a funeral, you tend to honor somebody, and that's what they did with David, that sense of honor and esteem and respect. Um, examples of how we do this, we do it in our speech. We do it in our actions. Uh, you honor someone when you give them the, your attention. Uh, I think this is really helpful with kids. Um, a lot of times in youth group, when one, the, the kids would honor me as I spoke, and then they would be quiet and listen to what I said, but a lot of times they wouldn't honor one another. So if another child was speaking, another youth was speaking, then they thought it was okay to, to speak at the same time. And just trying to teach them that that's, that's disrespectful, that's not a good thing. You should, when somebody is speaking, you should give them your respect and that, give them your attention. Um... Spouses, this is a good thing. Um, it's easy to think, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever my spouse is saying, I, I know what they're going to say, and not give them your full attention. You know, that you're not giving them honor or respect when you don't give them their, ta- their attention, your attention. Uh, taking serious their counsel is another way. So if somebody 
gives you counsel, if you honor them, you're going to take it serious. doesn't mean you're always going to do exactly what the counsel is, but you're, if you're honoring them, you're going to take that counsel serious. And obviously, in certain contexts, uh, obedience um, is also a part of this. Um, Danny and I have talked a little bit about this. There is an implied assumption in the command to the children to honor their parents that the parents would seek to do what? Be honorable. That they would seek to be worthy of respect. Um, Doesn't tell parents that in this section, but there's a certain uh, implied that you would strive to be worthy of of honor. So turn over to Proverbs 21 21. Proverbs 21 21. <clears throat> Jim Pate, uh, we have a microphone. I'll bring that up to Jim, let him. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Okay, it's pretty simple, right? Just whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. So the Proverbs tells us that that honor is a response to um, a pursuit of that which is good, holy and, and, and kind, kindness. Um, Let's see, uh, Ken uh, um, Sweet, uh, would you read for me Proverbs 22.4? Uh-huh. Proverbs 22.4? It's a good verse. Twenty-two-four. Uh huh. There you go. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Okay, so there. What does it stress to you? Is is key to uh, being worthy of honor? Fear of the Lord, and what'd you say, Emmy? Humility. So, like. You think of being worthy of honor, think of like striving for righteousness, being kind, fearing the Lord, having humility, okay? And then Proverbs 26, 1. Susan, if you could read that for me. Proverbs 26, 1. Okay, so can, this one more than any other helps us to see that to give honor to a fool is not really fitting. You see how that, so, so a lot of times this uh, fifth commandment can be given in such a way as to say, uh, you don't ever think about what your parents are, you just honor them. When there is a truth to that, but we don't want to take it so far as to think that the parent 
doesn't have a responsibility to try to seek to be who God wants them to be, right? Because it is, it does look awful foolish, not necessarily for the one giving the honor, but the one receiving the honor when they're doing nothing to actually merit that honor. Are we following that? Contextually, contextually, um, it's given to the Israelites. The first generation, at least in theory, are following God. In fact, that first generation, when they receive the, those, these commands, actually say, we will do it. Like they, they, they state, we're following the Lord. Okay, so now we find out that they're not really doing it as, you know, and we are like that as well. We strive to follow and we fall short. But anyway, the first generation's following God. So if you tell the kids, the second generation, to follow the parents, you're actually telling them to follow God. Are you seeing how that works? So like, so if, if the first generation's following God, you tell the, the kids, follow your parents, give them honor, then the implied uh, uh, conclusion is that you're really telling the kids to honor God, right? And to follow his commands. And the idea is if this continues to occur throughout generation after generation after generation, then Israel will, and this, this ties to the promise, we're not quite to the promise yet, but it will, it will ensure that Israel will be able to do what? What's the promise of this command? Live long in the land. Can you see how, and, and as Israel fails repeatedly to not only honor their parents, but honor God, then eventually God kicks them out of the land. They go out because of their disobedience, right? So that's the, that's the immediate context of this command. It's not just, you know, something for parents to tell their kids, yeah, you need to obey me, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's in the context of Israel being brought into the land. God's telling them, look, you're in the blessings of the land, and if you continue throughout generations to, again, follow your parents who are following the Lord, then you'll remain a long time in this land. But if you don't, I can kick you out, which is what happens, <clears throat> okay? Uh Why do we need, why do kids need this command? Okay, so they need to learn to honor authority. Why do they need to, why do they need to be taught to, to honor authority? <laughs> That's the point. It assumes... Original sin. It assumes that it is natural for kids to not want to honor. Okay? You, it's basically saying, young people, 
You are born with a sinful and rebellious heart that does not want to honor God. It does not want to honor your parents. Um, You have to fight against this. You have to strive to overcome this. You have to put that, that, that evil desire to death. And it says that God has placed your, your local parent, your local parents in place because he's trying to teach you to honor himself as your authority. Right, that's, that's like, uh, I think the verse in the New Testament is, if you don't love those whom you can see, how can you say that you love God whom you don't see, right? And you put it into honor, and I think it's a great application of this. It's an excellent uh, connection. And, and every kid will tell you, it is far more difficult to honor your parents than friends or parents of friends. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, this is the most difficult. Uh, I'm picking on Robin a little bit, but her her uh, mom used to always tell us the story that everybody would tell uh, Robin's mom that Robin was an angel. That she was, oh, she's so respectful. She, and she'd always say, well, you need to just see her at home. <laughs> and it's true. We have a much harder time of being respectful to those who are closest to us, right? Right? So, and God knows this. God, and that's why God has instituted the family, not as, not as the end, right? The human family is not the end goal. The end goal is our uh, spiritual family with God as our father, right? And so, um, but the human family is there to help us... Um, uh, be trained. It's training ground is really what it is. Um, it also is true that if your parent willingly disobeys the will of the father, you as a young person, and especially as you move into adulthood, you are honoring your parent by not following your parents down the road of foolishness. Are you, are you understanding that? So, um, my dad didn't believe in Jesus Christ. Thought that was kind of foolishness. You know, he didn't want me to become a pastor. Right? So, um, now he didn't explicitly command me not to become a pastor, but, but it's still, at the same time, there was a tension that occurred as I chose a different path than my dad might have wanted for me. It's probably taken 30 years, but my dad, I think, 
sees now and respects that choice. But it wasn't at the time, right? And so, but I do think that honoring him was following God. You have to be careful because sometimes you can do what, what's the, um, uh, in the New Testament, Jesus says, um, you, you, you would give this to your, your family, your loved ones, but instead you devote it to the Lord, but really you're just using it for yourself. You have to be careful. You can just uh, use your, your love of God as an excuse to disobey your parents. That's not good. Um, but I do think that it's important to follow God first. And I did tell both Tara and Michael, if you think that I am not honoring God in some way, as long as you have searched it out and studied it, I would rather you honor God than just follow me. I think that's very important. <clears throat> All right, questions on the, the, uh, the command itself before we start going into the promise. Because I think the promise is the most difficult part of this. I've known people whose parents weren't believers and maybe you would feel weren't deserving of honor and just seeing them still care for them mm-hmm. and seek their good uh, even when they didn't agree with their beliefs or their lifestyle, I, I think that's an important part of it, it's especially when it's hard and you your parent doesn't you think doesn't deserve it. Yeah, I remember being frustrated uh, going home to my dad when I wanted to interact spiritually and, and, and dad just couldn't, you know. And so, but I remember a, a young man who was a little bit older than me saying, but, but you're going to be with him means something to him, you know. And uh, it, it communicated honor to him being with him, and I think that's born true over the years. I have um, seen that bear, bear itself out. So that's a good point, yeah. Uh, you have the norm, which is to honor. You have the heart, which really is the issue. Do you want to disrespect someone whom God has, has given to you to be esteemed, Right? That's, that's really the heart of the issue. We, we want to honor ourselves rather than others that God has put there to be honored. And then the situation, and this is, I think, this, and this command probably more than any other command, it's so easy to see how this changes as the child grows up. So if it's, you know, I, I see uh, Ramazinis and Lainis that both have kids in their arms right now. You know, at a certain place, the kids are not trying to say, oh, is dad honoring God or not? At a certain time young, they're just saying, you need to obey. That's it. There's no, they don't even have to question what's going on with mom and dad. You just have to honor them by obeying them. That's, but then as you get to, you know, uh, adulthood and your parents are aging, it looks completely different, doesn't it? What honoring is. It's, it's caring for them. It's, it's treating them with dignity and respect and loving them. It just looks differently. 
as, as time goes on. It's still the same command, but the situation is very different in how you live that out. So... Mm-hmm. Yep. Directed toward a family with a father and mother. Yes. What do you do with the folks that don't enjoy, particularly a father's presence? Mm-hmm. Well, um, the first thing I would say is that it doesn't help the child who's had the breakdown of the family to to no longer hold as the ideal a mother and father in a loving relationship of being parents. So in other words, what's happened with the breakdown of the family in our in our country I think is because individual marriages have broken down uh and there's there's been this uh failure in the in the actual home what our society has done is wanted to chuck the institution of family completely and I think that's not a good thing I think we still need to uphold the ideal of mother and father and try to help a young person understand that even in your situation though the ideal has broken down don't throw out the ideal that's very important like you should uphold the, the, the weightiness of the institution of marriage and mother and father. Now that being said, one of the ways that you do this is you then try to, um, you try to find, as a young person, families where there is a, an intact relationship going on and actually try to learn a different paradigm, right? Try to see it done differently. Uh, and I think that's very helpful. At the same time, I think that it's important to try to help a, a young person as much as they're able, and this is, uh, I can see counseling young people how difficult this would be in the details, but trying to help them still honor and respect the authorities even in a broken down situation. So maybe... Maybe, you know, mom and dad are separated. Well, you still try to honor your dad and your mom. You don't just use that as an excuse to just go in rebellion and do what you want. Um, mom or dad may be remarried and you got step-parents and you try to honor your step-parents. I mean, you, you can try to help work through all of those things, but don't just chuck the institution and the ideal, right? You have to keep trying to work back to the ideal, acknowledge to them that many of the... Many of the um, the, the struggles and challenges that they're having are because they, they, uh, of the breakdown of the ideal. And, and it's just really important to try to, to uh, not lose that. Um, so in my situation, my mom and dad, you know, stayed together, loved each other, um, had their difficulties, but, you know, stuck together. But my dad wasn't the spiritual leader in the home. Breakdown, right? It might not be the breakdown of separation, but it was the breakdown of being a spiritual leader. So I didn't have this in my mind, this example of what it looks like to be a spiritual leader. Well, I don't just say, well, I guess, you know, it's broken down. I'm off the hook. Um, 
No, I need to, to say, oh, I want to be a spiritual leader. So what did I do? I tried to look at other men who were good spiritual leaders, and I tried to emulate them and learn from them what it meant to do that. And so all those kind of things are what you're, what you're talking about. It's very complex. It's very difficult when everything breaks down. But we, we still, uh, I think God has given us the ideal um, for a reason, and we should do our best to try to strive to get back to that ideal much as possible. Does that answer your question? I don't know if it does or not, but. Mm-hmm. That's where, that's where, uh, because you've been hurt, you want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and just reject it entirely. Same thing could happen with the church. You've had a bad experience in the church, so therefore I'm going to chuck the church entirely. Um, you know, it's just, it comes back to the deception of Satan. He, he really wants people to hate the institutions that God has, has put in place, and we need to fight against that. Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay. So, and we could say more and more about the command itself. I mean, there's, there's lots to this. Um, but let's go to the promise a little bit. Looking at Deuteronomy and Exodus, what, what is the promise given to kids? Days will be long That's the exodus That's all that's in the exodus, right? The Deuteronomy adds something That it may go well with you. First question. In the book of Exodus, what land are they talking about? Promised land. Yeah. I know, I know, but you're going to see how this is, it's going to be so important. I know, I know, it's, it's, it's like a softball that you should, I know the answer is Jesus, but I know he's trying to trick me. Uh, so he's talking about, in the original context, he's talking about the promised land. I even kind of tip my hat because earlier I told you about how Israel's history is they got kicked out of the promised land because over time they continued to rebel and God kicked them out of the land, Right? So, what do you mean, what do you think it means that it may go well with you? 
Okay, so blessing follows obedience. Okay, peace. So you could take this on an individual level. On some level, we have to do that, right? Because it's each individual is, is saying, I'm trying to obey mom and dad, right? So, but you could also take it on a corporate level, right? If the entire nation of Israel is honoring their father and mother who are honoring the Lord, then the entirety of the land of Israel will be under God's blessing. And they won't be cursed. There won't be disease in the land. Foreign powers won't come in and t- take over them. All that kind of stuff, right? So it's that it would be it would be well with you. <clears throat> Correct. So um, it's it, it, there is <laughs> God speaks these promises to His covenant people Israel, and it's typical in in our mindset. Whatever country you're in, you there is a loose. A, a loose connection of this principle uh, to your, your current nation. I would say it's very loose, though. I think in America, we tend to think that America is the new Israel, and that's not the case, right? The church is, is Israel, not America. But, but I, do, I, I get this, right? You know, if my people will humble themselves and, you know, trying to bring America back to repentance, and I, I can see that. But just understand that, that Israel and America are not the same thing. Yes, now that, and, that, and again, that's why I'm saying this is a loose, general way. I'm not. I know you're not. You're not just. You know, uh, but I do think in our country it's easy to identify America as God's people, and it's it. It yeah. Anyway, you can take that too far. Um. Okay. Falling through some of my notes here that we've already talked about. Okay. Just thinking of the people of Israel now. Put yourself back in their context. Forget other contexts for a moment. How much honoring is enough? before you get the blessing. So like, it's a promise. Right? Honor your mom, because if you do, you'll get this. How much? Okay, <laughs> Robin says, I don't think that should be your focus. I agree. But, but you still have to ask the question. Is the promise basically... Is the promise basically a new covenant of works? (laughs) But 
I know that you inherently say no, and I, I'm glad, you know, that's true, but I think that you have to at least ask the question, right? Because are you, is God basically saying, if you can perfectly obey your parents, then you can have my blessing? That's a covenant of works in its ultimate sense. You want to add to that, Edie? Uh huh. Okay, so so then you're. It's not a covenant of works. Well, for him, it could be a covenant of works <laughs> because he perfectly honored his dad in order to earn the blessing for us. So you got to remember the gospel in this. But for the kids hearing this, you can't make it a, a covenant of works to them, right? You can't just say, because you can understand this. You could have the parent who is, who is so demanding of their children and always telling them, you've got to have perfect uh, obedience before you could ever get be, parents be pleased with them. And then they live under this sense that they can never please God. And I think this is part of, we're going to look at it in a minute, the Ephesians passage, which tells parents to not exasperate their children. Right? <laughs> he did kick them out of the land, but think about how long it took for God to kick them out of the land. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, and... and in my notes, I have what Robin said. A kid should never ask, how, how much or how little do I have to do in order to get the blessing that I want? Right? That's not even the right question, right? How, how much can I, can, I, can I get away with just this much and get the blessing? Right? That's not the, that not, should not even be the, um, the what's going on. Yeah. Mm. He's redefining the blessing, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think, in, I do think in, in this context, and especially as Israel, because if you look at the history, here's the cross, and here's Christ's return, and here's the new heavens, new earth. Israel, as they're in the promised land, This promised land is a foreshadow of the new heavens and the new earth. So, so ultimately, as you hear that it may be well with you, your brain should be thinking everything would be wonderful. <laughs> you should at least be thinking that. Even though, because we're not to here yet, we live in, in the wilderness... I, Here's the wilderness before the promised land. We're, in a sense, in our wilderness before we get into our promised land. Since we're in the wilderness, this blessing of God is mixed with suffering. And, and even the suffering can be a, a part of the blessing that he's doing. But when you hear the promise that it may go well with you, you should be thinking, ah, everything's going to be great. And I think that um, the best way that I have... Uh, try to consider the essence of the promise. It's just simply God saying to them, happiness 
and holiness go together. You know, don't, don't think that if you try to honor me and submit your heart to me, that I'm going to make you miserable. God is saying to kids, follow me, obey me, and I will pour out blessing upon you. That's the essence of the promise. You follow that? It's just, it's putting together happiness and holiness. And God knows that kids need to hear this. Right? Because it never feels like happiness when mom says you can't do something and you really want to do that. Feels terrible. So God is, he understands how hard this is. And so he tells them first commandment in which he gives a promise. To kids. Now, how many, what does this say about how much God cares about kids? Mm. <laughs> he did. He knew from the beginning. That's why I think that. We, we want to make sure that we're not turning this promise into a covenant of works promise. You've got to do it perfectly, right? And as parents, I don't think that you should expect perfection from your kids before you can give them praise and blessing and reward, right? And as a parent, you're always struggling with, man, is their heart, are they really trying to rebel here? And therefore, I need to punish that. Or are they trying, but they've just not got it right? And you're, you know, so there's, that's, a, that's the judgment of parents trying to figure that out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And taken into exile or sent into exile and really a bondage to other people, other things. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just interesting that going your own way Mm -hmm. leads to that kind of idolatry, that Mm -hmm. kind of um, bondage, and we don't think of it that way. Mm -hmm. But um, like Ann Hope said about the suffering being good for you, it's the same kind of thing. Having your own way is not good for you, usually. <laughs> it really is not. So. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Thank you, Lee. That's, that's wonderful. Um, earthly blessings can actually lead us away from God. Turn over to Ephesians 6. Okay. Uh, Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. Uh, Marcus, you just give that to one of the Hoovers right there. They'll read that for us. 
Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Okay, so a couple things on this, really easy. I mean, obviously, we know that honoring does include obedience, because Paul explicitly tells us here, obey your parents, right? That's not, uh, and he says, in the Lord, that's an interesting statement, right? For this is right, and then he goes right to the, the commandment, the fifth commandment, and he speaks, he brings out this idea of a promise. Now, this ought to raise all sorts of questions in our mind. If you understand the original promise, this ought to bring up lots of questions, right? What, what kind of questions would it bring up? Yeah, uh, uh, what, what, what are we talking about? Which land? <laughs> what? Well, yeah, you, <laughs> she's great. Covenantal thinkers. <laughs> that just, I'm thankful, yeah. This, this is the land, new heavens, new earth, right? So that's, that's awesome. But notice what Paul does. Like, he, he is, is talking to Ephesians. Are these Ephesians Israelites? Not many of them. These are Gentiles. Now, it would be interesting, you would think, okay, if you're a Gentile, you might, um, you might be able to, to um, appropriate your, for yourself explicit promises that Jesus has given to Gentiles. But that's not what Paul does here. Paul takes a promise given to an Israelite kid and gives that same promise to a Gentile kid in the church. Do you see that? Now, what kind of assumptions does he make then about Gentile kids that are in the church? He doesn't give this, he doesn't give this to Gentile kids who are outside of the church. He gives this to Gentile kids in the church. Oh, so that... So would, let me ask you this question. Would God ever promise blessing upon someone who is outside of Christ? <laughs> she just said that the kids are part of the covenant. See, I don't think that you tell a kid who is a non-Christian, who's outside of the covenant, Hey, obey your parents, and you will live long in the land. And we have to get to this. What does he mean by live long in the land? Because it would be easy to take this promise as simply, you'll live a long age on this earth. And I, I, um, I have a friend in California, Daryl, and he's, he's uh, been thinking about how the Proverbs don't apply to Christ. <laughs> I mean, they, they do, they apply, you know, wisdom-wise, but the, the, the promises of the Proverbs don't apply to Christ. And I would say this too. Was there ever a kid that better honored his parents than Jesus? How long did Jesus live in this world? Long life? Nope. So you can't just say that the promise is, hey, honor your parents and you'll live to be 80. And you know what? You won't even have as many diseases in this life. 
Because if that were true, then it should have been true with Jesus. And it's not. So it can't be that Paul is saying, okay, yeah, that was a nice Old Testament promise to Israel. Now we just take it in general. You know, we're going to have a good life in this world. Now, I do think, don't want to take this too far, that if your heart is one of ongoing rebelliousness to those in authority of you, you will experience trials in this life. You know, it will, it will create problems, and I think God trying to get, you know, our attention. But I don't think you just take the promise and apply it to this world. Do you? So what is Paul telling to kids in the Ephesian church? How is he applying the promise to them? What is he telling them? (laughs) God will pour out blessings on you because of that. He will give you the new heavens and the new earth. In some sense, your faith is trusting that as you submit your heart to your parents, that is faith, and the obedience that flows from that is the sign that you, your heart has been submitted, and God is going to richly reward you for that. Jim, uh... Escudere. That rebellion against authority brings danger and gets wrath. And on the other hand, honoring authority brings his blessing. Amen. He just wants to make that very, very, very clear. Rebellion. Yes. But I, I, I just don't want to get outside of the fact that I think this is a salvation promise. Yeah, I mean, what you said is critically important, that the promised land here is foreshadowing, looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth. If you miss that, uh, that point, you'll miss the whole point mm-hmm. of what Paul is teaching here. And Paul has no problem taking a promise given to Israelites in the Old Testament and applying it to the church in the New Testament. And he doesn't say to the kids, okay, children, if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ and repented of your sins and then uh, gotten baptized after that, that now you can apply this principle to your life. He doesn't say that. He doesn't distinguish kids who have, I'm I'm an infant Baptist, so I mean, I believe that the kids from the beginning are part of God's covenant community, and therefore he gives them this promise, telling them that if you will, in faith, honor your parents in the Lord, you will experience the blessing of God. That's exactly right. You want to live your life in rebellion, both to your parents and to God, you will be damned. And that's what, you know, you should tell your kids. There will be a time in our lives where you will never have to obey me again. You always have to honor me. But you'll never come to a time when you will not have to obey God. And if you don't get right in your heart this idea of submitting your heart to the authority of God as initially in the parental home, but then as you move on out of that to... um, to just in life in general, you're going to not be saved. 
So what you're doing with your kids in the home on a regular basis is training them for salvation. I think this is so helpful to understand because other, sometimes we can just take honor your father and mother and we think all it is is a club to get immediate, in-the-moment obedience. And that's not what God wants in this. In Ephesians 6, verses 4 to 9, let's read, oh, Ken? Christians deal with this element with their children? I think they're just inconsistent. The question is, how do people who don't have a covenantal perspective deal with this with their kids? And I think they just are inconsistent. I think they relatively apply it well. I don't think that every non-covenantal person is telling their kid they have to be perfect before they receive the blessing. I think they just inherently have this idea that this is a general promise and that, that you know, uh, God is being kind to them. And so he's, they're making those connections. They're just not making it in a covenantal sense. Their, their uh, application of the sign of being in a covenantal relationship, baptism, is inconsistent with this. So in other words... If this is God's people, and in his people being united with Christ is blessing, if you're out here, there's no blessing. If you're in here, there is blessing, right? And so um, I think the non-covenantal people treat, according to the covenant sign, Treat they, The sign tells their kids they're out here. But I think often they treat their kids like they're in here. Even, you know, Baptists who are very much opposed to the covenant understanding of Scripture, from day one tell their kids that they can pray to God as Father. You can't pray to God as Father if you're out here. Right? You can see that? But I think this command shows that even though you may be in here, you still have to truly deal with the true heart, don't you? Because even if you're in here, you've got this heart that is truly yearning to be independent of God and you've got to put it to death. So you're still calling people who are technically in the covenant to repentance and faith. I think that's what this, sign, this, this command does. It's telling kids, you have got to fight against the sin of independence and repent of that, and learn to honor God. In fact, I think that it is the one command that God gives kids. <laughs> learn how to submit. Obviously, as you get older, you get in adulthood, there's much more to that, but this is the essence of it, and God knows that, and so he wants to help them with that. Yes, and hope. I think it's just the wording of it that he, that it is, it is like this explicit, do this and I'm going to do great things for you. So it's just that wording, and I think it's just so clear to a kid, right? You know, if you were to tell your, your, your uh, kid, you know, clean up your room and tomorrow we're going to go to the zoo. You know, that's like a, such a clear promise to kids, and I think that's what's happening in this one it's not that there's not blessing associated with the other promises, but 
This one is just a clear, God says to a kid, I am going to bless you. You cannot, I, I, I am not going to make life miserable for you. That's his statement to them. I love them so much. Love you so much. Which I think is the reason why verse 4 through 9 are so helpful to us and why Paul puts them right after this. So, um, Laura uh, Vesey, would you read verses 4 through 9 for us of chapter Ephesians 6? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. Masters, do the same to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Okay, so I'm going to try to do this quickly. We only have a couple minutes, but, but it just gives me chills thinking about this. So number one, he, he applies the command. We said before that it was implied that the parent should uh, seek to be worthy of honor. Well, he explicitly says that. He says to fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and training of the Lord, but do not exasperate them. Okay? Exasperate them means that you, they can never do enough to please you. You always demand more. Right? That would be exacerbating. That would, it's not saying don't ever have a rule that would might get them a little angry at you. That's not what he's saying. It's, it's don't be different than God is. Give them rewards. Love them. Pour out blessing upon them as they are trying to obey you. Okay? Secondly, Paul then says, oh yeah, this has application not just for families. This has application with slaves and masters. Right? A lot of times we say that the family is the center of this, but that it really deals with all levels of authority. Right? Same principle is true. So he says with slaves and masters. He tells the slave, you obey your earthly master as you would Christ. That's exactly what, what the command was about, right? It wasn't just honoring mom and dad regardless of the, you know, no, you think, oh, I'm trying to honor God as I honor mom and dad. Okay, well, the slave is the same thing, same principle, right? He puts it in his, in his uh, connection. He says, don't just do this with eye service, Right? Don't just do it as a people pleaser. You're not just trying to please mom and dad or please your master. You're actually trying in faith to trust God and obey him. And as you do this, you're expecting blessing from God, not from your earthly master. And he basically says, he takes the promise given to kids, and he says, oh, it also applies to you as a slave. He tells the slave, if you will do this, God will give back to you. Whether you're slave or free, God, this principle applies. And then he goes to the, to the master, and he says, oh, you better be careful, because if you take your authority and your position of honor and you do it wrongly, God's going to get you, right? 
Don't abuse your authority. How many fathers do that? How many slave owners did that in our own history? Yes. Employer, employees, uh, policemen, and those who are citizens, uh, teachers, and students. I mean, you can put it in any context, right? And that's exactly what Paul's doing. He's taking the fifth commandment, and then he's broadening it in all these contexts. Stop your threatening, masters. Now, the, as best I can tell, and I haven't really walked through the catechism with you, I think that the, the larger catechism does do these things. I'm not sure that the larger catechism um, makes the connection between the promised land and new heavens, new earth as clearly, but I think in every other aspect of what we've been talking about, applying it not just in the home, but applying it to other spheres of life, giving responsibility to those in authority, uh, you know, I mean, just... It, it does all these things very well, very well as it's, it's doing this. And I do believe, as Clark said earlier, that our society has chucked authority. It is an attack on authority in our society, except for maybe the government authority, period. <laughs> they can do what they want. Um, but we, we do. We have to be careful that we just don't throw out what God has given to us for our salvation, really. And that is the the authorities around us. Now, again, you can always take these things too far. Luther was rejecting authority when he went against the the Catholic Church. But he was doing that as he was trying to submit to God's authority. And I think that's the the issue in all this. So, all right, it's, it's time. So I wish I could give you guys more... If you have questions or, you know, email me questions, maybe before we go into the next commandment next time, if there are a couple specific questions that you want me to try to deal with next time, I can do that. Um, uh, I'd be, at least try to, so. Let me pray. Father, thank you for establishing the family. Thank you for giving the fifth commandment and including with it a promise Uh, Lord, help those of us who are in authority to not abuse that authority and help those who are uh, under authority to not have hearts of rebellion against uh, the the authorities that you institute. Father, thank you uh, for this command and thank you for being such a good God that you reward us, uh, particularly in Christ, but also as we grow in obedience, we experience your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.